What's up, Beardos? This is Tabitha from Compassion Fest. You're listening to episode 111 of the Bearded Vegans. Yeah. Basically, our whole philosophy boils down to don't be a jerk. Don't really answer your question first. I not answer your question. I really hope people didn't tune in to hear us talk about beards. Welcome to the show. I'm Paul. And I'm Andy. And we are the Bearded Vegans, a podcast featuring a dissection of all things vegan. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes at thebeardedvegans.com. And you can always reach us by emailing thebeardedvegans at gmail.com. In today's episode, we will talk about what we've been eating, discuss a local news item, and then ask the question, how can we be good advocates for animals during the holiday season? So first, uh, who who here has actually heard of us before, if if anybody? Oh wow! <laughs> let's let's do that by applause for the audio medium upon which we're embarking. <laughs> and I prepared a real great zinger for how we didn't think anyone here was going to know who we are, but it's actually quite reassuring and also a little uh, scary to know how many people are out there know who we are. <laughs> Uh, so, for anyone that is in here that doesn't know who we are, we're the Beard Vegans. We're a weekly podcast released every Wednesday, and we talk about the ethical gray areas of veganism, and we also talk a lot about how we can sort of become better advocates for animals. And that's what we're here to do today at a very special live episode at the Compassion Fest Holiday Bazaar. Yeah, so things are be a little bit different. Uh, as anyone who listens knows, we often tend to blather on for an hour and a half, two hours sometimes, but we have a very short 50 minutes today, so we're going to edit things a little bit different for the live audience here. But we always have to start off with what we've been eating. So what have you been eating, Andy? A lot of good food at Compassion Fest. Uh, I'm curious, actually, what the audience, I would like everybody all at once to yell <laughs> out what your favorite thing was that you've eaten on three. Three. You hear that? All right. <laughs> uh, I had vegan love. Nice. I had this like fried cauliflower and broccoli thing, which was delicious. And I feel like you get fried cauliflower all the time. No biggie. But all the, the fried time. broccoli, really switching it up, came with sweet and sour sauce, really delicious. My favorite thing that I ate, Paul, was the Hippie Cakes white chocolate peanut butter cup. I feel like, yeah, you had it. Is that, it's good. <laughs> you don't normally get white chocolate as a vegan. I feel like when you do, it just tastes like plastic. It tastes like, tastes like nothing. And it was delicious. Like, absolutely nailed it. So highly recommend. I'm sure there's still a few left. So go get one. Go get one afterwards. <laughs> Paul. Yes, Andy? What went in that beautiful mouth of yours? Um, so if I ever need that, that hot and brown, I go to Brewing Good, obviously. <laughs> and uh, and I, it, today I did not get a hot coffee, though. I got their Nitro Brew, which I've never had from them before. And I've only recently discovered the Nitro Brew. And if, if, everyone, if anyone's ever not had that and you are into coffee, it's definitely something worth trying. It's so very you smooth. Went, you went cold and brown. I went cold and brown today. <laughs> so definitely check them out. And then I also had from Ninth Square, Caribbean style, their mac and cheese, which I, I feel like is the, the talk of the fest. One of the items, that's the talk of the fest. And I have not had a good mac and cheese in a while, and this, this brought me back, Andy. It's yeah, they good. always sell out really fast, so I was happy to finally get some. Yeah. Love yeah. those breadcrumbs on top. Oh, yes. So I think that's it for food. That's it for food. So this is a section that we usually talk about some vegan news items, but since we're recording pretty far in advance and we don't, we don't have our typical news items today, but I do have a local news item that, that kind of piqued my interest. So Andy and myself were both from Connecticut originally. Now Andy just lives in his van and I recently moved to Philadelphia, but I come back pretty regularly. And just yesterday my parents told me 
uh, they, they let me know that there's, they were like, oh, there's this new vegan restaurant opening up. We're going to go check it out soon. And I was like, new vegan restaurant? That's great. In Connecticut? Cool. Uh, so I was like, I'm going to check out the menu. And I went on their website. And Andy, I found some, some fishy business. Uh, p pun intended. You mean, you mean that quite literally? I do mean that Is quite it, literally. It's one of those, huh? Yeah. So just from, just from doing the Google search, there, there was a little tagline on the restaurant. And it said, unique vegan restaurant serving delicious plant food with flavor and depth. And I was like, I like flavor. I like depth. <laughs> so, so I was like, OK, this is good. I click on the website. There's a second tagline on the actual website that says, as vegan as you want to be. Suspicious. And that's it, when I was like, I don't know what that actually means. Is it 100%? Because that's as vegan as I want it to be, <laughs> like fully vegan, or else it's not. And so just looking around the website, it said, like, we have an inspired plant-based menu. And like the word vegan was on there a few times. And then there was one line in the about section that said, omnivores are welcome to this vegan-focused dining experience with a choice of viable fauna. And that's when I was like, hmm. Om Omnivores welcome. Great. Inclusive. We want everyone to come to our vegan restaurants. I'm getting hung up on viable fauna. Yes. So I clicked over to the menu, and there was a lot of very tasty-looking vegan items. It, it definitely looks like a place that has very good food. But then all the way to the right, there was a little blurb that said, our plant-based menu is vegan by nature, OK, and uses organic and non-GMO products whenever possible, OK. For, for the omnivores, we offer a category of viable fauna, which consists of sustainable and responsibly raised animal products. And that's where I was getting a little hung up on, um, because they had calamari, beef, char, shrimp, chickens, eggs. It, it was not like one, one item. It was <laughs> quite a few items. So I don't know. I just, I guess why I bring this up is not necessarily to, to talk about this one specific restaurant, but it's just an, an interesting, I guess, tactic that they're, that they're maybe trying to employ to be like, Hey, people! People that eat meat, you can you can come here and eat here too, and then maybe getting them to try some of the vegan food. But I guess what I wanted to talk about was, while I don't typically, if I go to like I don't know Chipotle or some restaurant that serves non-vegan food, and I'm and they I see they added a vegan option, I'm like, yes, I'm gonna get that vegan option. I'm gonna support that. But this just feels it feels icky, and it feels different than than what those restaurants are doing. What? feels different about it to you? It, it feels like the message that they're trying to push is it's like, cool, we have this vegan food, but it's also OK to eat this other food. It, it Just from the feeling that I was getting wasn't, it wasn't come here and, and yeah, maybe you want this meat, but now come and try the vegan food, and eventually you'll go vegan. It was, it was more like, we know that some people aren't going to be vegan, so if you need to join your vegan friends for food, here we can cater to your needs as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost like it's saying, if you are not a vegan, you must eat meat at every meal, and therefore we have something for you. You're not going to starve if you come to this restaurant. We have something for you. Yeah. But they missed the point that like vegan food is for everybody. Yeah. And, and I was, so I just learned about this literally yesterday, so I don't know a tremendous amount about the website, but I would guess that the owners are not vegan because they own another very non-vegan restaurant. And so I was like, I'm going to check out what their philosophy is on this other restaurant. So I went over to the other website, and, and it was like very animal product heavy. There was like pictures of like butchered cow, like butchered um, pigs and stuff like being made, and they're kind of being like, look, we're, we like, 
look at these local pigs and, and that kind of thing. So it was, it was very non-vegan. And even on the website, that for the other restaurant, there was a quote from the owner that said, like next to a picture of a, a pig, it was like, I met this pig. I met its farmer and shook his hand. I tasted what the pig ate. I walked its pasture. Then I fabricated it and made it into the best food I could with great respect for what it had given me. Hold up. Fabricated? Fabricated it, which is quite possibly the, the most, uh, I, gotta, I gotta hand it to him, the most creative euphemism for slaughtered. Yeah, that, for killing that, an animal. Yeah, for killing an animal. You hear, you hear harvested pretty often, which I think is pretty bad, but fabricated, it's, it almost sounds like, it's like, yeah, I figured out what this pig would taste like and then like made my vegan version of it, but no, that's just the term they're using for processing this animal. Yeah. I just so, use a euphemism myself, but. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's definitely not someone that's trying to push any sort of vegan agenda. So I don't know, Andy, I, I, I would still, like, it stinks because the, the, for the vegan restaurant, the items looked good and I would like to try it. And, and again, I'm getting hung up because if this was a non-vegan restaurant that had, that was like, whoa, look, we added these vegan options, I would be stoked about that. But it's, it's like the opposite situation. So I think what bothers me about it is that I think it's it's sending a mixed message. Like there's not there's no pretending about a, a non-vegan restaurant that has vegan options, and the fact that as you pointed out, it has all of this promotion that a, a plant-based restaurant, a vegan restaurant, we have all these vegan options. Oh, and also we have these animal products. To me, it sends a really confusing message to the public. And I think we've already with vegetarianism and meatless Mondays and all these things, and we like some of those smaller step things as a means to get the foot in the door. But I think with all of those things that are out there, a lot of people are confused about what vegan means. And that's why when you, you get when people, you, as you say someone, I'm vegan, and they're like, okay, but you eat fish, or you eat chicken, or things like that. And this is just a restaurant that's almost like, we're a vegan restaurant, and of course we have a little bit of meat, because like, why wouldn't we? Obviously, someone has to eat meat. Yeah. So I think that from an advocacy perspective, it's, it's more confusing. It's, it's, it's more confusing from that, and then also because of the, the pushing the whole humane meat myth thing mm -hmm. and it's almost like well look this vegan restaurant thinks it's okay to slaughter animals so why wouldn't it be ethically okay for me to do so yeah yeah they were definitely pushing the like it's sustainable and it's humanely raised and all that that stuff so they were 100 percent pushing that there's an okay way to eat meat and that's not a message that you should be getting from a website that's also promoting it as a, a vegan restaurant it, it didn't even like I would, I would even feel a little bit better about it if they didn't have the word vegan and plant-based all over, all over the, the website. But it's like a weird bait and switch almost. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> unless I like really dug into it, I would say, oh, plant-based restaurant, vegan restaurant. I'm going to show up and I get there and I'd be really surprised. And I could even see people confusedly ordering non-vegan things because they assume that the whole place is vegan. Yeah. Yeah. When it literally says like, this is our plant-based menu on the menu. And then there's the meat items. It's interesting so let me ask you paul am i gonna go there would you go <laughs> um i i i kind of i i want to try the food it looks good but on top of that i would like to go to see like what the vibe is from the the restaurant like i'm 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 talking about this restaurant as if i you know as if i know these people as if i know i don't i learned about this yesterday i don't know what agenda they're trying to push if if any so i think to be a good journalist, Andy, I should go <laughs> and just feel out the, you know, in feel the out the vibe. In the name of journalism. Yes, huh? in the name of journalism. I think it would be good to go and kind of feel out what the vibe is and, and it, what the decor is and if there's anything that seems to be, again, if, if it says 
vegan on, on there because we've been to restaurants before that have said like 100% plant-based and then they'll have a few items that that aren't before usually it's honey it's like yeah. something to get snuck in there and you're like eh, okay i get it like that sucks but it's not it's, it's not like you get beef. why they would still like there are those people that say like oh honey is fine and you get why that would be included but then yeah. you have this i don't know yeah so i'm i'm interested to see how they because i've seen how they frame what they're doing on their websites which is very confusing to me, but I'd be interested to see how that translates over to the actual storefront. So maybe I will go. I feel like I wouldn't go. I feel like there's nothing about it that intrigues me enough because I think that it's sending such a confusing message to people that I don't think that there's anything positive that really comes from it. Do you think that, well, do you think that, are you saying you wouldn't go because you think it has more of a negative effect than say a non-vegan restaurant that has vegan options that you would go to? Absolutely. Okay, end of, end of point. <laughs> <laughs> With that said, can I actually get a thumbs up, thumbs down from everyone? Would you go to this restaurant? A lot of thumbs down. Yeah. They're on my side, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say with that, let's move on into the main discussion. So I think it's, it's weird. We're trying out this live format. This is only the third one we've done. And we, again, we never know who's going to show up. And we feel this pressure to, I think, have like a presentation, like a very well thought out thing. And as anyone who listens to the show, you hear the bloopers, you know that we're not necessarily well thought out people. And we stumble and we see Elm all the time. And so we're going to try and get a combination of both a discussion and sort of more of a presentation style with this list, this updated version of our how to be a good advocate during the holiday list. So... Yeah, we did an episode about a year ago, and it was our 10 tips, and I went back and re-listened to it in preparation for this episode, and honestly, I was like, oh, we're just going to take these 10 tips and like talk about them again, and I was actually really surprised at the tips that we did offer. Not that I thought they were like horribly off base, but it was about 80% focusing on food, and obviously, veganism is so much more than just food, and we kind of presented this attitude that was, you must always be this happy, smiling vegan, and if you're not doing that... You sort of have to steal yourself, prepare for the questions, and, and get in there and put forward a good face, even though there's like this big animal carcass on the, the table in front of you. And I think we really missed the mark on not talking about sort of our own mental welfare and our own ability to maintain ourselves as advocates throughout the year and feeling like, do we need to put ourselves in this position where it could be traumatizing to us, both from the aspect of being around these animal carcasses, like holiday meals especially, Thanksgiving, obviously, but Christmas is usually a big ham or a lamb on the table or something like that. And so more so than other kinds of gatherings, it's more in your face and asking ourselves, is this something that we need to put ourselves through? And then if we do decide to put ourselves through it, do we have to talk about veganism? And if we decide to talk about veganism, how should we do it? So that's kind of what we want to have a little bit of a discussion about here. And number 10 on our list last time was it's okay to opt out. It's okay not to show up if you don't, if you don't really don't want to. And I feel like that should actually be kind of front and center. I feel like there's all this effort or all this emphasis on you must constantly be the happy, smiling vegan. You have to show up. You have to put yourself in these situations. And we certainly believe in getting out of your comfort zone, pushing yourself a little bit to do these things. But I feel like oftentimes we feel the sense of obligation to families. And I love my family. They're great. But not everyone has that relationship. And for sometimes for people, that's a really toxic relationship that they have. And I think that it's important to think about the long-term game and how important it is for us if we're going to be good advocates to main sure, make sure we're maintaining our mental health, make sure we're not draining ourselves with these relationships, and give yourself permission to not show up sometimes. You know, we've talked about on the show the Liberation Pledge, which is basically a pledge never to be around people that are consuming animal products. 
I think we both kind of were like, eh, we don't know how we feel about this. You're kind of separating yourselves. You're never going to have the conversations. But I think it is important to be able to opt out of those things. What do you think? I agree. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Discussion. So, so that's like opting out. But Paul, like, what mm-hmm. if you do show up? Do you feel like you have like a moral obligation? If you're, we're talking like holiday gatherings. We're talking about Christmas party, office Christmas party, uh, Thanksgiving party, things like that. Do you feel like we have a, an obligation to talk about these things? You're a bad vegan if you don't. I think no. And I think that similar to what you were saying about opting out from literally being at the place, you, it's okay to opt out from having to have these discussions at, at every single opportunity that you could possibly muster up. Because I think that putting yourself in that, in that situation, being someone that is like, I'm, uh, anytime I could possibly talk about this, I'm going to possibly talk about it, I'm going to push it. And I, I think it's, it's a recipe for, one, burning yourself out, but then also it could be possibly putting yourself in a position where you're going to be creating strange relationships, maybe with your family or maybe with your friends. And I, I think that while your, your friend group oftentimes, they're your friends because you probably, not always, but you probably have some common interests with them or you can connect in some ways. That's not the case for everyone with their family relationships. And bringing these sorts of things up could be very stressful. They could put a lot of strain on the relationship. So. Uh, what we wanted to say was you're not going to lose your vegan card if you choose not to have these conversations with your family. And in a, in a similar vein, I think we've, we've talked about how there's been research that shows that you're the best, you're, you're the best advocate for the people that are closest to you, for the people that are kind of in your group. And even though that's, that is a good, that's a good reason to advocate to your family, I think we don't, we don't need to kind of use those relationships for our advocacy. We can, we can have family, we can have whatever familial relationship that we have, and we don't need to use that in order to kind of push veganism forward. Yeah, I mean, I think about, I've seen in guides to how to be a good vegan advocacy, I've seen people say, you should date non-vegans so that you can convert them to veganism. And to me, I think, that feels dishonest to me. Like if you're if you're dating someone specifically because you're like I'm trying to change you, obviously there are people that go vegan because of their partners, and I kind of see that in the same vein that it almost it it feels like you should feel obligated that you have to use these relationships. And I think some of the best advice that I had been given early on was don't get hung up on converting your your family. Obviously everyone wants that, and it's like hard when you go vegan. You feel alienated, and you feel like. I love these people so much, and all of a sudden, it's hard for me to not see them as unfeeling, uncaring people because they are participating in this horrible system, one that we were participating in like months prior. But still, you know, you have to keep that in your mind. But so for that reason, I think that we most want to have our family go vegan because a lot of people, it is our support network. I think that's actually a reason why sometimes we do want to hold back on certain conversations or at least not engage in them if they don't bring it up kind of thing because family is our support network and that enables us to go out into the world and be good advocates when we do have a support network even if they're not vegan right yeah and and i think a a interesting point that i thought up that i don't necessarily have an an answer to which is if you're not familiar with the show a lot of our shows we a lot of our discussions we don't end up having answers but we feel like it's it's important just to have these conversations something that i was thinking about was that so andy and i do not have any children 
So when we Together. are together, <laughs> um, <laughs> separately, tons. But uh, but so when we're going to these sorts of events that we're talking about, we are we're the the sons in the, we're the we are the the kids in these situations. And I do think it's it's that would be a very different dynamic for Andy and myself being in that situation, talking to our parents or talking to some of like our older relatives, rather than if you are the parent and you have a non-vegan child, that's a situ that's a scenario that I can't even visualize because I'm not in that position. And I imagine though that it's a it's it would be a very different dynamic and I would have no idea how to navigate that. Yeah. So yeah, we're definitely talking to our specific situations. And yeah, there is that sort of parent child, I am right, I'm teaching you what's good and moral and ethical in the world. And then all of a sudden like the student becomes the master type thing. We're like, well, I have surpassed you in terms of my <laughs> thinking about this one particular issue. And so I, fi I find that those things are really hard to navigate. Not that it can't be done, but it's something to keep in mind as well. Yeah. Should we go on to our next point? Sure. What is our next point, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk a little bit about finding your support network. And so I, I talked to a few people here today. They're like, we don't have any vegan friends. And I feel like it's important to find those people because it can be such a depressing time of year, because we're going to these events with all these animal carcasses and because people are given gifts and there's all like the seasonal loneliness that gets wrapped up in it. It's important to find your vegan network. And for a lot of people, that means going on Facebook and finding your people there. And like whatever your specific niche of veganism is, you can usually find the vegan like dragon lover like club or the vegan like knitting club or something like whatever it might be. You'll find those people and they can sort of help you through that. But also it's important to recognize that there is legitimate depression and, and sad and all of those things. And it is important to reach out and get help for those things because again, our mental health is a part of being a good advocate and getting out there because there's this sort of this pressure to push yourself to your breaking point and work for no money and like every second of the day needs to be spent doing animal advocacy, which is great in the, the short term. There's never, enough, there's never enough time in the day to do everything that we need to do. We're never, like no matter how many vegans are out there, there's still always gonna be more work to do. So in the short term, it seems like a great thing, but in the long term, people burn out and they, they lose their ability to advocate in the, in the long run, which is obviously very detrimental to our movement. Yeah, and, and just to reiterate Andy's point that if, if you've never done this before, and you, you feel like you don't know anyone else that's vegan. Of course, we're at this event right now, but there's a lot of vegans here. But Make some friends. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I, I do think that the internet can be a great resource. And just to, just to emphasize Andy's point, so I just moved to Philadelphia, and I found a Facebook group that's Philadelphia vegans that also play board games. So if, if, <laughs> if there's a group that's that specific, whatever you're into, there's probably that group the vegan version of it. So definitely, you know, seek out those people that have the same interests as you. Have you made some real life friends because of that? No. Uh, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have made a couple vegan friends in Philadelphia that play board games. Yes. But they're not in that group. They're not in that group. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get on that. So, so I feel like we've been talking so much about like, it's okay to not have conversations sometime, which is like a weird thing to be saying at a vegan event from a vegan podcast. Is, does, does this mean we're saying you should never talk about these things and, and stay away from it at all times? No, and I think a lot of the times these conversations are brought upon not by us, but by the other people that are at these events when you give them your tofurkey roast to try. Yeah, well, I think we'll talk about if you should even bring a tofurkey roast uh, to the thing. But yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting point is that often, 
And we basically a lot of what we're talking about is like, should you shoehorn veganism into every single conversation you have? That's kind of what we're talking about. Obviously, there's times when it naturally comes up, and as you just mentioned, we all know that people people bring it up regardless of if we want to or not. And you show up at the party like, hey, everyone, this is Andy. He's a vegan. And you're like, okay, <laughs> that's all I'm going to talk about for the next three hours. So. I think it's important to use those opportunities as a, as a way to talk about these things. Yeah. So I feel like maybe this is the time when we sort of transition over into lists, list territory. List. Let's do the list. All right. So, so this is like, this is the things that we think about when we think about advocating for animals, specifically at like a holiday party or family get together. And obviously everyone has different family dynamics. Nothing is going to be the same. Everything's sort of tailored to your experience and like you know when you're having a conversation with someone you know how much you can push them i find that when i'm doing advocacy i want to match the dynamic of the person i'm talking to so if they're kind of giving me a hard time i will jokingly give them a hard time back if they're swearing i'll usually swear back with them and sort of match that atmosphere so like you know how far you can push someone like if they're giving you a hard time about something and sort of really making them feel not uncomfortable but sort of like really making them realize that they have no idea what they're talking about oftentimes. So just put that out there. Everyone has different dynamics, but Paul, Mm -hmm. on that note, first tip, know when to advocate and when to shut up. So I think especially at these, some of these holiday gatherings, when this sort of stuff gets brought up by another person, I think you can, like Andy was saying, you can feel out the conversation and Many times you'll often find that the other person is probably not actually interested in talking about these things. They're just bringing it up to either give you a hard time or, or from, for some other reason. But I think it's good to, to feel out what their kind of intentions are and, and whether or not it's, it's worth you putting the effort into this. Because for a lot of people, it, I mean, for many vegans, it's, it's, this is an incredibly important aspect of our identity for a lot of, for a lot of us. And it's something that's very important and being able to feel out if this person is actually going to care i think is a good thing and kind of knowing how to divert the conversation if you if you get the impression that they're just giving you a hard time how to you know direct yourself out of the conversation is is sometimes a useful tactic to avoid getting upset or frustrated yeah because if it's just someone if this is your uncle that always pushes you and like just kind of pokes and prods you until you get really upset doesn't do anyone any good to get into an argument I think that usually the second you find yourself in an argument regardless of the if you have the facts on your side and you can articulate your point and even get them to admit they're wrong within the argument you've probably already lost because people remember how they feel more than like the facts and statistics that you've thrown out at them so if, if you feel like someone's doing that, it's okay to kind of divert the conversation. And it doesn't need, even need to be, oh, what about football? It can be, I would love to have this conversation with you, but I think that you should watch this documentary first before we do it and educate yourself and see if they're genuinely interested in learning more. And if you give them this task to do before you will really continue with the conversation, either they will genuinely go and do it or they will stop bugging you about it because you keep being like, listen, I said you got to go watch Cowspiracy or whatever it might be until we talk about this thing. But also recognize that people often do have genuine questions. And even if you've been asked where you get your protein from a billion times, and what about plants feeling pain and all these things, sometimes people do want to hear a genuine answer to those things. So I try to genuinely respond to someone, empathetically respond to them, and act like it's the first time I've ever heard that question in my life, and give them that response, and then see where the conversation goes from there. Yeah, so I think that kind of relates to our number two, which was prepare for questioning. Because like Andy said, you are going to get asked the same question a billion times. And if, if, you, 
if you're giving off the, like if someone asks you where you get your protein from and you're giving off kind of these vibes that you're, you know, you're better than this person or that's a, that's a bad question or that's a foolish question, that they're probably gonna get that vibe from you and they're probably not gonna take you as seriously or, or end the conversation. So um, just being, being prepared for these things and being prepared to genuinely answer them, like Andy said, as if it was the first time you are at being asked these questions. Because it's easy to fall into this kind of robotic response of, okay, like they, I get this question asked and I have all the information in my head and I just list it off, bullet, 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 and the person's probably gonna be like, oh, this, this person doesn't really care about this conversation. Yeah, it becomes very mechanical. And I think this also relates to point number one where, where it was know when to advocate and when to shut up. And I think that the time to shut up is usually most of the time. Not to say you shouldn't bring these things up, but let the other person do the talking. Ask them questions. People love being asked questions, right? They love to talk. But usually when you ask someone a question, you'll get them to realize that they're not entirely sure what they're talking about. When someone says, like, oh, well, veganism's so expensive, and I don't say, well, it's not expensive. What about rice and beans? And what about blah, 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 blah? I say, oh, why do you think it's so expensive? And see what they have to say, and then see, you can tell your response to that. And then you get them to either be like, well, I tried eating all this expensive field roast or something like that, or you get them to admit that they don't really know why they have that misconception. It's just something they've heard. Yeah, and so like when someone genuinely realizes that on their own, it's a lot more impactful than when you tell someone that they're wrong. Like it's, it's easy because we feel like we've had these arguments a million times before and you just, two words out of someone's mouth, you're like, I know the response to this and I know why they're wrong about this thing, but that doesn't help anyone to just start shooting off your answer before they even get the question out of their mouth. And so listening, and responding empathetically and asking those questions, especially at these holiday meals, I think for me that has yielded the most fruitful conversations because they, they feel like they're being paid attention to. Because we've all had a conversation or an argument where clearly no one is listening to anyone on either side of the conversation and people are just waiting for the other person to stop talking so that they can respond. So, so yeah. be the person that listens and be the person that, that asks genuine questions of someone and lead them down the path that, that you want them to go down, but don't tell them the conclusion you want them to reach. And I think if by asking these questions, if instead of having the argument with the person, if you get them to have the argument with themselves, they don't have, <laughs> they don't have another person to kind of blame. They don't have another scapegoat to say, oh, well, this vegan was mean to me one time, so now I'm never going to go vegan. And we... We've, we've looked a little bit and we had one discussion one time about the backfire effect, which is basically that like, you, can, you can give someone the facts about why they're wrong about something, but it will oftentimes make them feel, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like cognitive dissonance on steroids, basically. Like they doubled down yeah. on their previous views because it does, whatever you're giving them doesn't fit in line with their worldview. And this could be veganism, it could be gun control, abortion, like whatever it is, if it's something that they have incorporated as part of their identity, they're going to feel like their sense of self is attacked if you bring up this thing. Eating animals is unethical. And they're like, well, I've been raised to believe animals are eating animals is ethical. And then they search for reasons why it would be ethical for them. And then that leads them to reinforce those views. So somewhere where they may not have thought of an argument before, now they're thinking of a million arguments against it. So again, I think that if you can get someone to have the discussion with themselves and to, to start questioning themselves, they don't have this other side to blame and they don't have this other side to, to say, well, you're just saying this because you're so-and-so. And I think that that would be a, a constructive way to, to get them to maybe change their mind about some things. Yeah, absolutely. 
So what's number three, Andy? Oh, number three. This one almost seems so trivial compared to that, but I think on the food front, we didn't want to leave everyone hanging on the food front, and this is really important, is there's, there's, there's kind of like this hierarchy of like ideal situations for me, and the one in which I have the most control over what food is going to be served, veganism is about more than food, but it starts with food for so many people, is if I am able to host a holiday meal, and then everything that comes into my apartment, which I don't currently have, is going to be vegan, right? But I know that that's not realistic for most people, especially if you're trying to host like a whole family or a whole thing. So I think the next best thing that we can do, and this is like great for teaching people and easing their minds and not feeling like you're some giant burden on them, is to offer to help cook when they're preparing the food. And maybe you can't get them to make a giant roasted cauliflower instead of a turkey, but you can bring the earth balance and you can get them to, you can help them, you can prepare the mashed potatoes, make them vegan, and you can show them how easy it is. And I think that we're certainly big on culinary activism. You know, we believe in diversity of tactics, but showing people how easy and delicious vegan food can be is a good way to get your foot in the door. Yeah, and, and I think if you can help out with those dishes where the only thing that's not vegan about it is the butter or the milk or the eggs, those are going to be the ones that are going to be easiest because you can be like, hey, just use this earth balance instead. Just use this soy milk or almond milk instead. Just use this whatever applesauce instead of eggs or whatever egg replacement that you use. And I think that that's a good way to show them how, like, how some of those easier dishes can be switched over to being vegan instead of non-vegan. Yeah, and I, I feel like those examples that you're giving things where easily one ingredient just gets switched kind of leads to point four which you so eloquently put as, bring a winning dish. Sounds like Martha Stewart, but, <laughs> which is basically bring something that you know is good and you've tried before. And, and in addition, bring something that you know people will probably enjoy. So you, you know the audience that, or maybe you don't if it's some potluck with random coworkers and stuff, but if it's your family or something like that, you probably know what kinds of dishes they'll enjoy. And I think the example that we gave was don't don't bring like the the quinoa loaf the first time <laughs> because even if it's delicious, non-vegans are gonna see quinoa loaf and they're gonna immediately not wanna try it, even if it's the best thing in the world, unless your family is into quinoa and, and like superfoods and, and fitness and stuff like that, then maybe the quinoa loaf is the thing that you'd wanna bring. My family for for several Thanksgivings in a row, they made a lentil loaf. There you go. So, you know, some people it does work for. But if it is a situation where there's going to be like a turkey, I would say don't bring the tofurkey. Don't bring them something where they're going to do like an A-B comparison on the thing. But like bring a delicious dessert. Bring the apple pie. Bring the mashed potatoes. Bring You can even make your own gravy. I make an amazing chickpea gravy. So things like that that people aren't necessarily going to do like an A-B test on. And in addition, with like an apple pie or something like that, something that they won't immediately be able to look at and be like, that is a vegan dish. And, and then you can have them try it and then let them know that it's vegan afterwards. A little sneak attack. Yeah. So, because so, there are, I, I think most people can relate with this, there are people who, who will look at something and say, wow, that looks great. And then you'll say, oh, that's a vegan cupcake. And they're like, that is the most disgusting thing that I've seen <laughs> in the world. And they won't even try it. And like, I know I have family members who have 
literally said almost that exact same thing where they'll be looking forward to something and then they'll find out it's vegan and they won't even try it. So so don't parade in there being like, everybody try my vegan cupcakes and just like just putting that out. It's vegan, it's vegan, it's vegan. People have a preconceived notion of what that is. Let them eat it, rave about it, and then drop that bomb on them. And if you're me, make sure that your mom doesn't go around parading that this is a <laughs> vegan dish. This is the this is Paul's vegan dish. Nobody else eat this. This is for Paul. <laughs> Which I well, was like, I will say, I love my mom, and and uh, my parents were gonna come today, but they couldn't because of the raging blizzard outside. But I am, I I just wanted to put this disclaimer because they'll probably listen to this that I'm I am very fortunate in that my parents are very supportive of my veganism and do make sure that there's a lot of vegan dishes. Shout out to Ken. Yeah, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> what were you gonna say before, Andy? I think it almost like comes back to that that restaurant that we were talking about that was like, it's vegan. It's only for vegans, and if you're not vegan, you can have this meat dish. And it's like it's for everybody. And maybe they're just hoarding it just for you because they know the volume of food that you're able to consume in a single meal. Can put down a lot of food. <laughs> Speaking of putting down food, are we on to number five? We're on to number five. I don't I don't fully understand that transition, but I'm going to go to number <laughs> five anyways. So number five is bring snacks. Yeah. It's so as you're moving down this hierarchy and maybe you're not going somewhere that you can help cook and maybe you don't have the ability to bring a dish, load up beforehand. Yeah, I know I have been going to some family and relative-ish gatherings where there's a lot of people. There's between 40 and 70 people at these things, and I'm the only vegan. And again, my parents are great, and they we, we bring like a couple dishes, but just... Be aware of the situation that you're about to go in, and if you are not sure if you're going to have any food, just get some of those power bars. I always keep some Soylent on hand in the van. There you go. Or Soylent. <laughs> if, if you're a weirdo. <laughs> uh, so we just have like a few minutes left before we want to get to Q&A, but the final tip, I think this is super important, is to be thankful and encouraging of the smaller steps that your friends and family member and relatives are taking. So I, I think we tend to get caught up in if someone says, hey, I'm doing Meatless Monday, or hey, I've cut out fish and chicken or something like that, and we tend to go, well, that's cool, but you're still murdering a bunch of animals. And it's important to really be encouraging of the people in your life that are taking those smaller steps, because if we sort of shoot them down and, and tell them they're not doing enough in their life, that they're, you're not living up to our standards, it's rare that we're going to get that person to continue to take those steps down that path. So even if someone like tries to make you a vegan like dish to share and you find out oh they actually put in fish sauce like that happened once with my dad and you know i, I wasn't like how dare you possibly <laughs> it was like thank you for for like making this effort i really appreciate it like next time we'll nail it without the fish sauce but sometimes you get like a non-vegan present yeah how do you react to that situation i th i think in it a similar way that you were saying it's like we can be we can be grateful and we can we can encourage the effort that they're putting in and and i think that that's super duper important because as we were talking about before, some people don't even have a, a vegan support system when they're vegans. And now for the people that are maybe thinking about going vegan or they're trying meatless Mondays or something like that, we should be giving those people the support and encouragement as well because I think we can, I mean, we can put it into perspective that most of us weren't vegan at some point. And for many of us, if we didn't have uh, some people or a group of people or a movie or something to, to help push us, we wouldn't have gotten there. So I, I think that berating these people and, and saying you're not doing enough or something like that, it's not, it's not the most effective tactic at, 
hopefully eventually getting that person to be vegan. And, and I think just encouraging, in general, a growth mindset where we're always learning and we're always changing. And doing that ourselves as vegans because we're not at we're not at the end of our journey we can always there's always things we could be doing to either make ourselves better or have less of an impact on animals or the environment or whatever it is just being able to empathize with that person and and say like I'm on this journey with you too we're all we're all just trying to be better and yeah to be better people it's beautiful Paul thank you <laughs> so that brings us up to the end of our scheduled time for talking but Tabitha wanted us to do some Q&A, which we'd love to do. If there happens to be anyone out there has any questions relating to this or anything at all, does anybody have anything for us? Shout, and I'll rephrase to the mic. The question was, can you put that gravy recipe in the show notes? <laughs> Answer, yes. <laughs> cool. Well, yes. yes. Question was, have you reached out to the restaurant we were talking about in the beginning? I have not. I... I I was, I, I think I tend to over-exaggerate things that I said, but I literally found out about this yesterday. But I, like when I was, so I was having a semi-heated discussion with my dad about the restaurant and about, because he was saying like, well, you know, they're not saying that they're vegan, which they kind of are, but he's like, saying they, they're, they're, they're encouraging people to come in and then to try veganism after they've tried the meat things. So I was having this discussion with them and that's something that he did say. He's like, well, if you feel, if you feel this way, you should reach out to them. And, and cause what he was saying, which is true, is that you're making a lot of assumptions about what their philosophy is and what they're trying to, the, the message that they are trying to push. So I do think it's a great idea to, to reach out to them. So I and, probably will. And now those assumptions are on permanent record. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I do want to also say that Part of the reason for bringing that up was not to say, like, we need to take to Twitter and shut this restaurant down. It was more so to just bring up, because I thought it was interesting, the, the, just how I feel weird about that, but not about, you know, a, a non-vegan restaurant that has vegan options, even though technically the amount of vegan things is more in this, this newer place. But, so I just thought it was not necessarily trying to attack this one restaurant, and we're just trying to bring up the point. But I definitely will. How, like, what would you say to that restaurant, though? Would you be like, you need to change everything? Or would you just be like, you need to pitch your restaurant differently to people? Or would you say, change your menu and go full vegan? Well, I think that this is why I was saying maybe going into the place would be good because then I can kind of feel out more what their their vibe is. And if there is something obvious that they are, if they are trying to push some sort of message or philosophy, and then from there, hopefully someone will be there that I would be able to talk to and then just asking them, like oh it's interesting that you you are a vegan restaurant that also serves meat like why did you why did you decide to why did you decide to include meat options and then go from there depending on what their response is depending on if they're like oh well we know that some people are never going to be vegan so we wanted to include meat versus them saying we wanted to get people in the door but then hopefully not order the meat items hopefully order the vegan items i think i don't think that's what it is but i think that it would my response would be different depending on what they said were there prices on the menu that you looked at? Yeah. Were the meat dishes more expensive? I don't remember. Oh, Paul. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not prepared. Let me down. I guess that would lend you with more, more credibility if you're like, hey, I'm a potential customer and I'm wondering like, why this is. You're not just some faceless name, some email on the internet that's like yelling at them and castigating them for... Caps lock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Question answered. It certainly I, feels. I'm like going to rephrase that verbatim once oh. <laughs> But but I will say a good point was just raised that there's no need for 
them to cater to the non-vegan because the way that this the United States currently is is it already is catering to non-vegans. Yeah, it's it it feels like humane washing. It does feel like they're like veganism's on the rise and we got to take advantage of that. But they already have their very meat focused restaurant. So that is that's a weird thing. I'm wondering who is the person that like wouldn't go to this restaurant until they found out that there was meat there, but like otherwise they're like surrounded by veganism. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Well, it's like we've talked about some restaurants where they it's all vegan except they have like dairy creamer. And it was like who would like who who that's the one thing holding them back. But I guess that is the thing. Like maybe someone's like stubborn like uncle refuses to go and everyone else would go. Yeah, I w I will say that in the one day of knowing about this restaurant, I do know I do know two people, my parents, that that are going and bringing someone else that would maybe not go if it did not have meat have meat. Interesting. And I wonder what that person is going to get. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta report like, back. We need an update. Yeah. You would probably assume that they're going to get the meat dish, but maybe they would go and see that the majority of the menu is not is vegan and something else would catch their eye. I don't Stay know. tuned to find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so am I a bad vegan for you work hard? Andy? <laughs> I think it's important to be accurate with our language. And I think that like when, when we don't use those euphemisms, like often, like we say meat, we've said it plenty of times in this, but I'll often say animal flesh and secretions instead. Because I think it is important for people to realize the, rea the reality behind these things. So yeah, some t so with all of our talk, I feel like a lot of it was like, don't make people uncomfortable kind of vibe. But I think that like there is something to be said for pushing, pushing people a little bit outside of their comfort zone as well. And using language like that isn't necessarily some like big huge stunt you're throwing like red paint on them but you're still kind of pushing them to to confront the reality of what it is that they put on the table so i the the vegan judge rules <laughs> you're a, you're a fine vegan <laughs> yeah yeah no i agree because i do think that there's like i think many people would say lang like analyzing the language that we use is not super important but i would disagree with that and i think there there is a lot of language that we use like calling it meat that that just it normalizes it and i think when you say something like that it kind of snaps someone out of that thing that they've been so used to and it does make them uncomfortable and maybe for the first time it does challenge how they're thinking about this so i, I think that that is a way that typically i think wouldn't cause too much of a confrontation and and i would hope that that's where the confrontation ended after that it wasn't like you got into a fist fight or something but but i think <laughs> yeah, <not that. laughs> but I do think that even in that little that little bit that maybe that person went home and you know thought about that for a while maybe because it sounds like it actually bothered them and I think that that's probably a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good question. I think that probably everyone in this room might handle that a little bit differently. Um, I've been in that situation where I was given like a pair of leather gloves, but it was by you know, my girlfriend at the time, and it was this giant family gathering, and she has a million cousins, and so they kind of gave it to me, and I opened it, and then everything just sort of dissipated, and I was like, I'm just going to give this to someone else that would use it. But if they're there, and they're like, oh, what do you think of this thing? I think, honestly, I would have to be honest with them, be like, thank you. Again, showing gratitude for the fact that they're trying to do something nice for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You know, but unfortunately, this is not something I would use, and you can use that as a situation to sort of educate them about that thing, 
but I think it is important to sort of profusely be very thankful for that thing. And like, I, I get that you didn't know this. It's kind of the same thing when people say like they feel weird rejecting non-vegan food if they go visit someone's house. And people say, well, I'll, I'll eat it to not be, uh, to be impolite. But I'm like, what's more impolite than slaughtering an animal that you don't have to kill, you know? So I think that it's like, it's okay to live up to our ethics and be firm about those things. But I think that showing, showing again, showing that gratitude, it's all about, in like so many things in life, it's all about how you present those things. Like if you're trying to get customer service, if you show up and you're, you're like, start yelling at the person and I want to see the manager and all this stuff. But instead, if you give someone the benefit of the doubt, you're like, hey, I'm, you probably didn't realize you gave me this cheese on this or like you sent me the wrong iPad cover, whatever it is, do you think you could fix it? And things like that where you sort of show, again, empathy in your response and, and showing gratitude to me makes all the difference. Like, don't make them feel like they're some huge asshole just because they gave you this thing and maybe they didn't know or maybe they forgot. It's just a learning experience for everyone. Yeah. I think in something like that, because that's a situation where they might continue to give those things to you. Yeah. That, that's what I would do, just say, like, I, I, I so appreciate this. I just want you to know that I'm vegan, so... Um, you know, I gave this to someone that, you know, that could really use it and I definitely appreciate it. But in the future, straight away from from food or if you want suggestions on how to make a vegan cake, here's some recipes or whatever it might be. There you go. <laughs> make her her own version, like your vegan version of the same cake and be like, look how much better this is. <laughs> did you bring up the iPad cover because someone gave you the wrong iPad cover today, Andy? That did happen. <laughs> <laughs> The other point I want to bring up, and he just said asshole, and it's, we're in a church right now. Well, you know, it's, ho it's, it's holy, Paul. <laughs> so I think With that? on that note, uh, I think that's all the time that we have. So, of course, thank you to everyone who, who came out to the hundreds and hundreds of people. I know you can't see it because you're listening to the podcast, but the hundreds of people every, that came out. Every live episode we do, several thousand more people come. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Really impressive. But of course, if, if you have any, any comments or questions or follow-ups, or you can tell us why we're wrong, you can always email us at thebeardedvegans at gmail.com. And if you want to check out any episodes, listen to any episodes, you can either go to thebeardedvegans.com or check out the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher just yeah. by searching The Bearded Vegans. So, Paul, I want to say one more time, we're at the Compassion Fest Holiday Bazaar. Mm -hmm. I've been wandering around. I've been looking for like all these gifts. There's a lot of really cool stuff, a lot of variety. Mm -hmm. I was digging through things. I was looking for like a button or a sticker or maybe like uh, something stitched. Couldn't find it. I was looking for something that said the following seven words. We are the Bearded Vegans signing off. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you all very much.